Hey, something really cool happened. Teaching, learning, leading K-12 was selected as one of Feedspot.com's top 20 K-12 education podcasts. Thanks so much, Feedspot. Go to blog.feedspot.com forward slash K-12 underscore education underscore podcast to see the whole list. Or you can go to my show notes page while I have it linked. This is so awesome. Thanks again, Feedspot.com. I'm AJ Bianco, host of Reflect Ed a part of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Trey Gamage. He's the CEO of the Gamage Consulting Group, an engaging speaker, the voice behind the Dash podcast, and the author of the book, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Trey Gamage. And uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Trey. Trey notes that uh, as an entrepreneur, podcaster, and speaker, his purpose is to make it easier to do what you love. Trey was born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, where football was his first love, and it carried him to his first dream to play Division I football. He recalls that his dream taught him a lot. All we did was lose, and half the time I rode the bench. Fortunately, while I didn't fit on the field, I found my way off the field, committing my time to diversity affairs, global perspectives, and decision-making. These experiences made me well-rounded and helped me realize my ambition to add value to everybody I have a conversation with. I didn't decide to chase my dream until one of my professors asked, if money was no object, what would you do with your life? Trey says, when you see someone live their dream, it makes you want to help them reach that dream or live your own. Every day I wake up and do what I love to and leave a blueprint for the next generation. Trey founded the Gamage Consulting Group. Its primary service is helping K-12 schools implement social and emotional learning programs. He uses a five-step process that takes you from managing multiple behavior systems to one school-wide framework that supports growth in students and educators. He also recently released Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. He is the producer and host of the Dash podcast, and since 2015, Trey has spoken to over 100 audiences, totally more than 10,000 people. Trey, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here with you, Steve. Enjoy your podcast and everything you've got going on to support educators. Well, it's, it's great talking with you, and I've enjoyed uh, listening to you on a podcast, and, uh, and it's good to have you on, on the show. So and let's get started with, with this. In your, in your bio, Trey, you note, I didn't decide to chase my dream until one of my professors asked, if money was no object, what would you do with your life? Could you share a little bit about this comment? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think growing up, um, sports was always big for me. That was a vehicle that drove um, a lot. My father played um, Division One at Valparaiso, and, and all my siblings played sports. And it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that athletics was only a vehicle to get me closer to my purpose. And in that class in college, it was a working motivation class. Even my sophomore, junior year, that was the most profound question that I had. And I actually got to go last in answering the question. So I heard everybody say they would travel the world or sail in a boat or go backpacking through Europe. And 
truthfully, the first two things that came to my mind was I want to be some kind of consultant and a public speaker. And so from that moment, I started chasing it. I, I had an idea in my head and with passion and conviction, I wanted to make it my reality and started to take the steps to make that happen. Very cool. Very cool. And, and you've definitely done that, which is, which is awesome. I mean, we get, to, you got uh, an in-demand speaker, we got a uh, consultant, your own company, and uh, as well as your own podcast and a book. So we, you definitely pursued that out there. So well, well done. Cool stuff. Yeah. The, uh, so, uh, so I read that you mentioned that Les Brown has significant impact on you pursuing speaking. Could you talk about that role he played on you pursuing helping people? Absolutely. Les Brown is the GOAT in my eyes. I mean, so after that question, I started doing all kinds of research or actually I started writing speeches first, but they were so bad that I couldn't even edit them. I was just brain dumping all of my ideas. And when it came time to edit, it didn't make any sense. And it was actually my last semester while I was studying abroad in Europe. I wanted to know how to be a great speaker. And I, I was listening to Les Brown and he mentioned that he won the Golden Gavel Award from Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. And so I went on to look up Toastmasters and found that they had this World Championship of Public Speaking. I said, hey, when I get back to America, I'm signing up for Toastmasters and I'm gonna be the World Champion of Public Speaking. I would listen to Les Brown daily and, and he led me to Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Ogmandino and uh, Norman Vincent Peale, he led me to so many different people that really sparked my love for personal and professional growth and development. That's cool. And there's a, that's, the, there's some big hitters there, man. That's a, that's, that's awesome. It, the, uh, um, you know, for the listeners, that's a, that, that's an incredible group to, uh, to want to listen to. And uh, absolutely. You, it, they have so many hours and hours of content that really just helped me. It, it helped me learn like there's, there's maybe 10 or 15 principles of success, or at least in the success that we talk about in the books. And what I realized is that if you just choose 10 to 15 or three to five of those principles, you can, you can be on your way to anything that you really want to achieve in life. You just have to truly believe in yourself or pick, you know, if it's persistence or discipline or enthusiasm. Um, there's certain skills that you need to be successful and those guys really map it out very well for you to find your way. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and one of the things that you're talking about here is this is getting you better at speaking and speaking in front of people and uh, using them to inspire you. Well, you know, many people would say that they dread talking in front of large or even small groups. Do you mm -hmm. feel nervous or, and how do you deal with that? You know, it, it, that's interesting because I think initially I did feel nervous, but that, that was what the driver was for me. I understand and realize that you, you start to grow outside of your comfort zone. So initially, yeah, you know, the 500 person or 1,000 person or 20 person audience was difficult, but I do also feel like one of my greatest gifts and abilities is as a facilitator, as a speaker, and as a presenter. So I feel like that's a, a God-given ability that um, I've received and through Toastmasters and practice, I've really been able to hone in on that skill, mess up countless times, forget my words, you know, and, and also go out and excel and, and be the best version of myself. So it's something that I relished in that challenge of, of getting in front of people and being vulnerable and raw. Again, it's very therapeutic. And at the same time, you know, it's adding value because anytime you're able to open up and be vulnerable with people, you know, you may think personally that it's a weakness or that it's people are going to think that you're soft or a loser. But the reality is when you open yourself up and you let people into your life, they see it as brave, 
courageous and they can relate to you so they can take those same action steps in their own personal life. Very cool. Very cool. You know, it, it, you know, one of the things that uh, I got to ask, because this is in getting to the level that you've gotten to, you know, um, deciding, um, you know, from the beginning that you're going to be a speaker and then you've, now you've created your own consultant group. You've, uh, um, you are an in-demand speaker and you've written a book and you have your, uh, your podcast going. And so you're interacting with lots of people. How do you inspire you? I mean, mm. when the road gets rough and others may mm. want to quit. How do you keep going? That, that's a, that's a great question. And, and again, truthfully, it's something that's a, a continuous cycle. It never really stops. So I've hit my head on a glass ceiling multiple times. And I remember when I earned my scholarship to college, once I got there, it was hard to figure out how to navigate the college athlete landscape. After graduation, I was figuring out how to navigate life and, and earned a city council position and uh, felt stuck for some time. Like, okay, I've reached this level, how do I continue to go? So fortunately right now I have a, a wife at home and she is, she, 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 loves me and she supports me and I want to do better for her, you know, so where initially when I started speaking, my purpose and my mission was to add value to everybody I have a conversation with. And that's a goal that is never complete. It can never be finished. It's like a lifelong impossible goal. And, and I also wanted to create opportunities for people to grow, to lead and experience. But after I got married, that whole mindset and purpose kind of changed. So, so now the drive is like, you know, I, I absolutely want to help and serve people, but I also have a mind frame that I'm doing this to take care of my family as well. And so I want to add value to people. And I think it's Bob Burke who said the, the you want to add more value in your service than you receive in return for payment. So I'm, I'm always trying to add tremendous value to people. And I know that when you have, add value and when you solve problems, you'll be rewarded with that, whether it's through opportunities, whether it's through finances or being able to speak to somebody and, and just shift their life one degree. So for me, God is the center of my life and my wife helps keep me lifted up and then the consistency of, of wanting to go into the grind and uh, realizing that there's always more to do and there's more people to help. Awesome. I, I love it. And that's, that's cool. Cause that's, you know, we, we all need some of those triggers that help us mm -hmm. keep going because we're going to run into those problems. I, I appreciate you sharing um, what helps keep you going, which is neat. So, Absolutely. I, so I found that like purpose changes, you know, and it, again, it's not a stagnant thing, just like the business plan. It's not something where, Hey, this is my purpose and I'm done for life. You know, it, it evolves as I evolve as a young man, as a family man, as a husband, my purpose evolves and changes. So I, I have to stay grounded, you know, and be able to, um, to recognize where I'm at and what I'm grateful for. So I do have a whole morning routine that I do to just try to keep me in that same place. And uh, the struggles are, they, they still happen, you know, but that's, that's one of those secrets from those guys I listen to is persistence. I will persist until I succeed. It's got to be a mantra. I love it. I love it. That's because uh, sometimes there's a lot of, there's all kinds of things that uh, get in our way and, uh, and probably ourselves are the biggest one. <laughs> if we give yes. In. So this is very true. So good stuff. So, uh, you know, let, let's use that. Let's shift and let's talk about the, your, uh, your company, the Gamage Consulting Group, Bridging Gaps in Education. Tell everyone a little bit about your company, uh, you know, what it does and why they'd want to work with you. Absolutely. So I do want to go back to the root of Gamage Enterprise or the LLC Gamage Enterprise and my consultancy, the Gamage Consulting Group. So my, my father and my grandfather were 
serial entrepreneurs. My dad was a, an attorney for about 20 years, a defense attorney, and he had side hustles, real estate and, and properties, investments and stocks and things like that. And my grandfather as well, he moved from Mississippi after he was a kid picking cotton, you know, 100 pounds a day, moved up north and, and just became a, that serial entrepreneur, cutting grass, shoveling snow, um, fixing cars, buying houses. He was of service. And so that's really where my company started from as well is, is how can I be of service to the people that matter the most to me and the people that look just like me. So when I started Game Agenifies, it started just as a speaking business. It was opportunities to bridge gaps for folks. And as I have grown and matured again as a young man, we are just hit three years as Game Agenifies. So that's, that's a, a strong foundational piece for me. So as I've grown and as I've continued to speak to audiences, um, I realized that speaking wasn't enough for me and, and had to go into consulting where I could work with the educators who are spending the most time with teachers. So now we're at the point where social and emotional learning is, um, is what we focus on. We focus on helping schools develop those programs and those practices in their classroom from, you know, outside of school, it's called emotional intelligence. And these are skills that oftentimes get overlooked and people don't see the value in. But the truth is up to 80% of your success in the workplace has to do with your communication skills, with your social skills, with your emotional intelligence skills. And for some reason, we don't look at that. There's a phenomenal book by um, so right now, I go in and, and do trainings with teachers, with educators, so that they can redirect student behavior, eliminate the baggage, bias, and blind spots from their own social history that we bring into the classroom. And then I also do some speaking with kids and programs with the kids as well. So guidance department, I've had opportunities to do IGP prep, um, college and career development, whether it's job shadowing or career days, setting up those kind of programs. We started a early college program for a charter school. So I really had an opportunity to, to jump head first into the guidance realm of education and with a significant and small focus on SEL and those restorative practices. So it's come a long way and we're still growing and developing our processes, but I've, I've been so happy with the schools I've been able to work with, and, and they've been happy to work with us as well. It's more of a partnership than a transactional relationship. Very cool. So, so do you have like a, a, a team that uh, that comes into the schools w with you? Do you have, uh, um, what, what's your group kind of consist of? Yeah, so that's a good question. I have, a, I have an assistant that works with me behind closed doors, if you will, and, and helps me put together a lot of my visuals and information and uh, production of the processes. But for the most part, I go in on my own um, and I'm the sole proprietor, I guess you could say. I have some partners that I refer to or, or can call in if I need their help uh, that have other consultancies and are just available to serve with me as well. But for the most part, you know, I'm going into the schools and, and we're going through uh, a process. So. I really like to be hands-on with it and, and guide everybody I'm working with through the process. So that will be something we're working on is expanding and growing. I'm in South Carolina now and have some folks I'm looking to work with in Indiana as well, back in my hometown. So we're working on scaling up the business right now, but I'm definitely a believer that I, I've got to know what's going on first before we can outsource. We can't outsource or delegate um, chaos. So before I bring too many people into the business, I want to make sure that we're able to 
run smoothly and, and have the impact that we really want to have inside of schools. Excellent. Excellent. And congrats on three years. That's awesome, man. That's Thank awesome. You, Thank you. Very good. That's stuff. a big one for me. They say most businesses fail before three years. Um, but again, I've had great opportunities to partner with um, phenomenal schools that, that have, have support systems in place. And, and that might be my thing too, Steve, is I don't have a great team because when I'm going into a school, I'm not really trying to add anything new. I want to use the talents, the tools, the resources that you already have in place and create that efficient process for you. So there, there's not a bunch of extra things that we're trying to bring in. It's more focused on maximizing the potential of what you've already got. Excellent. Love it. You know, it, you know, recently you published your book, Trey, it's called every decision counts eight lessons. I wish they taught me in school. Speaking of school, uh, why, <laughs> why'd you write this? You know, it was one of those ways with my podcast. Uh, I started the podcast to add value consistently for free. And we got to a place or I got to a place where I had written actually three or four transcripts over the course of three or four years, actually. And, um, just didn't know who I wanted to write to and, and what I wanted to write about. But as I've gotten deeper into my business and realized that uh, middle school is a sweet spot for me and high school is a sweet spot for me because it's a very transitional stage. I wanted something. I wanted a book that I could present to middle school kids about life in a way that was in their language, in a way that they could understand and not brushed off to the side because it, it's pedagogical or because it's taught by a teacher. And in every decision counts, I took lessons and actually podcast interviews from the early episodes of The Dash, and I turned them into principles or parables for kids. And so I literally would write letters. I literally did write letters to my little brother, Dear Saeed, here is how you can make every decision count. Dear Zane, this is what I want you to know about failing. It's your first attempt in learning. And so I did the same with some challenging students that I worked with. I wrote a letter to them. And so that way it's, it's written in a very one-on-one -on -one conversational tone, but it also has action steps to help you gain those social awareness, self-management, self um, social skills and personal skills that you need to, to be your best self in the classroom. Uh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, it's cool because the topic, we're going to get into the topic a little bit more in just a second, but, you know, just, just, I, I just love the thing, eight, le, your title, eight lessons, I wish they taught me in school because we're, you get into, one of the things I love about your book is that you get into topics that are very, uh, very much, uh, like you said, you're, you're focused on the, uh, the middle school age child and trying to talk mm -hmm. in a way in which uh, they'd understand, like dealing with failure and so forth. And, and I, I just love the what you're doing there. It, do you have a favorite lesson or one that you'd like, you find yourself constantly mm -hmm. referring to no matter what the situation? I, that's like the hardest question for me to answer because <laughs> really, so all of these eight lessons were, were handpicked from 150 podcast episodes, you know, so nice. I do, I, I, I like to go with the first one. It's called failing got me started because I, I really and truly do think that's, that's a key right there. Once you realize that when you lose, it's not a defeat. It's a first attempt in learning. That's when you're able to really grow and really prosper and see the world from a whole different perspective so that the world starts to open up to you and its opportunities will start to flow in as well. So first attempt in learning, uh, for me, it, it talks about how, how to overcome that failure. We use some stories from Kid President. You may be familiar yes. with him. He was diagnosed with a disorder where his bones were very fragile. And he broke like 60 bones by the time he was 10 years old. But 
he never lost his joy. He never lost his happiness. And so his family just started recording him because this boy was so happy with his whole body in a cast. And so he moved forward and was able to be the kid president and have millions and millions of views. And the same thing we look at, um, we look at Michael Jordan, we look at Hall of Fame baseball players who bat, Hall of Fame baseball players hit the ball four out of every 10 times. Michael Jordan missed every other shot. Oprah got fired before she became Oprah. I mean, there, there's so many examples. And I asked students, I said, hey, for kids, go Google your favorite person and put fail at the end of it and see what comes up. Because this isn't, this is a natural thing that you're doing, failure. And how do you learn from it? How do you fail forward, fail often, and fail to make it a learning opportunity? I love it. You know, I think any lessons, because I, I think the world sends the wrong message when it comes to failure. And I think it's important to, to share with kids that uh, it's, you know, it's going to happen <laughs> yeah. and it's how you deal with it as opposed to uh, um, it ruining everything. So uh, no matter what it is, it caused it. So good stuff. Well, I'd say too, Steve, you know, the favorite chapter from the students that I've had a chance to facilitate the book with is actually chapter two. And that chapter is about only quality people. And so in chapter two, we dissect a shark mindset, which is the equivalent of a growth mindset because sharks can't swim backwards. They can't stop. They only move forward. And then the crab in a barrel mentality is where you, um, where crabs, if they're in a barrel, if one starts to escape, the other crabs will pull it back down. So I challenge the kids to write down the top five people in your life at the beginning of the chapter. And then we go through that shark mindset and the crab and a barrel mindset. And then I ask you the question again, are these the top five people in your corner? So it, that sparks a lot of conversation with the students and it gets them to think about how are they as a friend and how are my friends to me? And so I think again, at that middle high school age, that's so important for them because their social relationships and how they look to other people are mean the most to them. I love it. I mean, that's, you know, and it's, and if we look at some of the problems that we have and it continues on as adults as well, the, you know, we, we choose our groups that we're with and, uh, or lack thereof. And, uh, if we don't realize the impact that they have, a lot of times it's like those crabs in the barrel. Uh, so I love that story because it's just, you know, <laughs> they yank you back down, make life miserable mm -hmm. on you and make you think that that's the way life's supposed to be. And, mm -hmm. and it's messed up. Yeah, it's messed up. It's messed messed up. up. So in each chapter builds upon each other. So chapter one is failing got me started. Two is only quality people. Three is making new mistakes. So it's like, it's okay if you had a bad friend, you know, like it's okay if you did somebody wrong. When you, when you make a mistake, just don't make the same one twice. Learn from that and keep moving forward. So every chapter is building on each other and it's like a succession where, where you're waking up more to yourself in each chapter and understanding how to navigate the, the perils and the trials of being an adolescent teenager. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, the topic's just poignant. It's very timely and uh, very much needed having those discussions with kids in a way in which they understand what you're talking about, which I love it. And, uh, you know, it, and one of the things you did here is you wrote a book. You know, how did you decide this is what I'm going to write about. Cause I heard you say it, you kind of, kind of worked mm -hmm. on that topic there for a little bit. And, uh, but more importantly, how'd you finish it? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good. <laughs> so, um, I, and I'll, I'll take you kind of through the journey. I think in 2016, after Toastmasters world championship, after I lost, I started writing a transcript called, um, my friend Murphy. And it was how was it, my friend Murphy, Murphy, 
what's supposed to happen will happen. So you know Murphy's Law is what, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong, but I turned it into the law of faith. What's supposed to happen will happen. And so that was good and still on the shelf. And then I had an idea about a book called Pain is Purpose. And Pain is Purpose was about how to turn the pain in your life into your platform for purpose. And that's essentially where Every Decision Counts came from. After I was able to sift through and really go through a design process for the book, Pain is Purpose became Every Decision Counts, um, which was also Every Decision Counts was my speech at Toastmasters World Championship. And that, that is so specific, Every Decision Counts. And so I had transcripts, I had outlines, I had all these things together and I said, okay, Trey, it's time, man. You can't, you can't keep procrastinating. You can't keep waiting. You've got to figure out who this book is for and you've got to get it in their hands. So it was a probably, actually it was this time last year, I do quarterly goals with a 90-day journal called Best Self Journals. And my goal that quarter, second quarter of last year, was to write a chapter a week. And so after I finished each chapter, I wasn't editing. I just, I had my, my transcripts and everything. I wrote the chapter and then just moved on to week chapter two. And I kept writing until I was done. Once I finished the eighth chapter, then I went through and edited. Um, I talked to a, a publishing consultant who helped me through the process of creating the book title. My little brother actually drew, my little brother actually drew the the book cover initially, and then we sent that off to a designer to make the the final copy. And then we got it uploaded and released, and, and did the marketing plan and everything. So it it was that driving conviction. And once I found out who the book was for, because that's what I was struggling with was was the book going to be for young adults between 18 and 26? Was the book going to be for everybody? But the more specific, the better. No, I'm focused on middle and high school students. Like that is my sweet spot. That is who needs this. And I have to follow through for them. That's awesome. And I love the, I love what you're talking about, how you set the goals. You have the journal that you, you write in mm -hmm. and uh, set those 90 day, 90 day goals. Is that, um... Absolutely. Yeah. So in there's, there's all kinds of, um, charts you can look at but if you look at motivation over time the longer your goal is that's why new year's resolutions don't work because 365 days is a long time to be motivated and motivation doesn't last you can have a motivational speaker come in or an inspirational speaker come in and it may work for a week or two weeks or a month but it's not going to last for an entire lifetime or an entire year so 90 days is the pretty much the peak amount of time that you can set a goal and maintain the, the motivation to follow through on that goal. So I've been doing that since I started my business and I know myself, I am a very relational person and I will disregard results to maintain that relationship. So for me, these 90 day journals help me take care of the transactional piece because while relationships are number one and the most valuable, if I'm not showing results, I'm not gonna have many relationships either. That makes perfect sense. You're right. It, it, I just want to make sure that, uh, so are you actually writing in a, in a journal itself? I mean, you actually, you've go out and find a journal yeah. and you with blank pages. Well, so there's a, um, and I, I do have a discount code if anybody's interested, but they're, they're called best self journal. So it's, it's an amazing journal that takes you through a process of goal setting. So you choose a result goal that you want. Um, and why that result is important to you. Then there's three progress goals that you set and off those progress goals, there's action steps for you to take. So it's, it's, it's action oriented, it's goal oriented. And then you, after you set the long-term goals, 
you have a weekly like habit tracker to make sure I'm consistent. So on a weekly basis, I'm setting milestones on those progress goals and hey, here's what I need to achieve this week to reach my bigger goal. And then it goes down to daily. Every day I look at my calendar. I see I have this interview with Steve today. I had to do another um, uh, quick video earlier. I got another conversation this afternoon. And in between there is where I plan where I'm going to be the most productive or what's the most important thing for me to get done today. So it, it's, it can become routine and kind of ritual. So I, I still have to be careful and make sure I'm not too dependent on the journals. But at the same time, they give me peace of mind and knowing that I'm progressing towards a worthy ideal and goal, as Earl Nightingale would say. Awesome. Awesome. And nice, nice, nice segue there to Nightingale. I like that. That's cool. Yes, um, sir. Very cool. That's, and you know, and it's, it's neat because someone listening to you can hear you have a process for figuring out this is what I'm trying to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And then you follow it and, and you're, you know, making whatever um, adjustments you have to along the way. And that's, that's, that's cool. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, in no matter what we do in our worlds that we struggle sometimes with how to go about, you know, saying what it is that we need to do and, and uh, yeah. following a path to get, to get it done. Yep. It's, it's the application, the execution, you know, and, and I'm not perfect by any means. And there's, I can connect the dots going backwards and see all kinds of things that I could have done better at. But when you, from my experience, when you have a, a real idea, when you have a real passion, a real purpose for something, you can have it. Whatever you see in your head, you can hold in your hand and you've got to be able to put those steps in to make it happen. So if I see the goal and I truly want it, if I'm truly passionate about it, I've got to take the steps to go and get that. And so that's, you know, I say, you know, bridging gaps in education is what our company does. Personally, my mission is to facilitate purpose. And, and that's the part that's making it easier to do what you love. Because I, I think when you see somebody doing what they love, it either makes you want to be a part of that dream or start to live their own. And so you, you're right. I think we oftentimes will skip the process or we'll go straight to the end of the road when it's the journey that really matters. It was Zig Ziglar that said everybody should set a goal to reach a million dollars, not for the financial reward, but who you have to be to receive the reward. So in, in everything I'm doing, it's not about what I'm getting at the end of the road. It's about finding out what do I have to do to become this person? And that's where the process really comes into place. Very nice. Very nice. Awesome. So one of, let's, let's use this to, uh, to segue into, because one of the aspects to, for you to, one of the tools you use for getting your word out and, and helping people is your podcast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, what I'd like you to do just for a minute is let, let's talk about your awesome podcast. It's called the dash podcast. Your decisions create your legacy. Why'd you pursue the podcast and share something that you've learned from, uh, from doing your show? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, but the podcast is therapy for me, man. You know, I get a chance to have folks on like yourself and I get to ask all of my questions about education or about your experience and your journey. And I think that's one of the best ways that you can learn. So that's, that's kind of my selfish take of it is I have an excuse to reach out to well-accomplished and, and well-served educators and, and I get to have a conversation with them um, to promote to other people. And, you know, the podcast started, so... In 2016, I returned from Europe in 2015, actually. 2016 was competing in Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. And through that process, I ended up losing at the semifinal stage in the top 100 of a competition that started with 30,000 people in 143 countries. So I'm okay with the top 100 now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I was pretty upset back then, but what I learned 
from my speaking coach, Kelly Sargent, um, who was the, the second runner-up from the 2014 World Championship. She said, you got to realize that speaking, just like life, is all about you, and it's not about you. It's all about you because the only thing you can control is your own decisions. But it's not about you because if, if that's all you're looking for is your personal success, you're not going to be driven to wake up and get out of bed every day. So after that loss of the World Championship, I, I was just inspired to add value to people. And I started doing video series, actually. And The Dash was the first video series I did. After about two or three cycles or quarters, I said, okay, let's go ahead and make this, this podcast. And it launched on my birthday, February 3rd, 2017 the same year that I started my business, of course, as well. And so the dash is the marathon of life. It's the decisions that you make over time, but it's also every incremental decision that you make along the way. And it's also the blueprint and the legacy that you leave for everybody. When you go to a graveyard, you don't remember the people in that graveyard for the day they were born or the day that they die. You remember their dash that's right there in the middle because that's the part of their life that you were a part of. So the dash it's just that. We're, we're, we're talking about life and the decisions that you're making to now serve students. So the last 75 episodes have been focused on contacting and interviewing educators who are uh, solving problems for school communities. And I do say school communities and not just schools because I'm talking about the students, the teachers, the admin, and your school partners and outside partners as well. So these last 75 episodes I've interviewed different educators weekly, including yourself. And then the first 75 episodes were really pursuing about how to make your pain your platform for purpose. So there's kind of two different sections of the Dash. So the, the Dash has really been created to add that value consistently for free to educators. And now we're focused on highlighting and celebrating the success of educators. I really have found that our greatest topics and what people have been most interested in is SEL, restorative practices, like school climate and culture for leadership and how that trickles down to impact all levels of the school. So it's really good. Episodes come out every Friday. We promote the episode all week and um, have featured guests that we have on. So you can check that out on pretty much any platform. My website, TreyGamers.com. It's on iTunes, Spotify, um, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and, and pretty much any other provider that there is out there as well. Very cool, very cool, and and, and Trey, we're, we're we're getting ready, we're getting close to leaving, you know, finishing up. And if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Yeah, I would tell you to come to my website. As soon as you go to the website, you'll have an opportunity to subscribe to my new email list. And on the shop page, you can set up a time to talk with me about being a guest on the podcast, coming to school to speak with you, or even just having a consultation about what. Uh, implementing an SEO program would look like in your school. Now, for more informal conversations, I'm at Trey Gamage on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. That's the last one. I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok. I'm, I'm too old for that now, but <laughs> I'm on most of the social media at Trey Gamage. Excellent. And I'll have links to uh, Trey Gamage and, uh, in my show notes, as well as to the Dash podcast, and uh, and so that you can, as well as to his book, which you, you can find at his website as well. So uh, appreciate it. So I got last two questions here, Trey, and it, it goes like this: If you had a chance to talk with an audience of 100 high school juniors and their parents, what is one thing that you would make sure that you told them? I would let them know that every decision counts, and that there's some things that you're going to learn through life 
that have happened to you, that have happened with you or happened against you, but it's the decisions that you make that count and to realize that your mind is like a garden. You have to cultivate it. Your negative thoughts are like the weeds. They grow by themselves. And in fact, negative thoughts are 10 times stronger than positive thoughts. But so you have to sow and plant those positive seeds about everything that you want in your life and you only speak those. Anytime you speak something negative or think something negative, cast it out because it'll gain control over your life. Choose positive decisions, choose positive people to surround yourself and make every decision count. Awesome advice. I love it. I love it. That'd be an awesome message. They'd all be leaving that auditorium talking with each other. I love that. Oh, that. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. So last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Mm, that is a great one. I think there's been a lot of great leaders for me throughout my life. And, oh, that is a good one. That's a good one. So Tim Staples was a professor for me and my athlete students, whether it was football and softball. We had a, a big group of us that were in a program that was supposed to acclimate us to college. Now, I was not the brightest student in college, um, so we, but we had opportunities to continue to grow. And he was someone that was always in my corner. He, he helped me go to a, a National Residence Life Hall Association. He saw something in me and he would allow me to challenge myself. He would create challenges for me to be a better version of myself. So when it came time for me to find a job, I had applied for a job before I left to go study abroad in Europe. While I was traveling throughout Europe, I was not looking for jobs. I called Tim and he told me about three jobs, one at Johns Hopkins uh, Center for Talented Youth. It was a temporary position, the Illinois Math and Science Academy and the Governor's School for Science and Math here in South Carolina. I interviewed for all three, accepted or received all three offers for those jobs and decided to move down here to uh, South Carolina where he was my supervisor as the director of campus life. I was a residence life coordinator and that's where I said I got my master's degree in life to really jump off and start my business and create uh, what I'm doing now. So he was absolutely instrumental in me getting into education. I mean, I did not plan on being in education, but he was somebody who opened the door of opportunity for me and allowed me to walk through it and truly excel. So I, I really say thank him um, for all he's done and, and putting up with me and, and helping me just grow and, and become a, a strong young man. That's awesome. Awesome. That's, that's so cool when someone has the uh, impact like that. So thank you for sharing, Trey. Absolutely. Very Good question. Well, well, Trey, thank you so much for talking with me today. You have an awesome focus on helping others. I love it, love it, love it. And I love your book, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons That I Wish They Taught Me in School. Keep up the great work and uh, keep that the Dash podcast going. I love the episodes and enjoy. Uh, I don't miss an episode. So, And I encourage others to listen as well. And I wish you the best in all that you do. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I can't wait to listen to the episode and share our episode with the world as well. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. <laughs> Opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.